Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Israel has proposed a multi-phase peace deal to Hamas in exchange for the release of all remaining hostages held in Gaza. European foreign ministers are meeting in Brussels to secure peace in the Middle East, and severe winter storms have killed over 90 people across the U.S. We begin with the Middle East. Israel has proposed a multi-phase deal to Hamas through Qatari and Egyptian mediators, which includes up to a two-month pause in fighting. The deal would include the release of all remaining hostages held in Gaza. Meanwhile, in Jerusalem, families of hostages still held in Gaza are protesting outside the residence of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. John Gambro has more. There has been dramatic scenes in the Israeli Knesset, that's the parliament here in this country, as families of those hostages still held by Hamas in the Gaza Strip stormed into a finance committee meeting today. Some held signs, some yelled, save our children. Others demanded to know why the lawmakers were seated there, not doing more to help their loved ones. Now, Prime Minister Netanyahu has said that he does not want to cease fire and does not want to pull out Israeli troops out of the Gaza Strip as this war is going on. That's apparently what Hamas has asked him to do in order to free these some 100 hostages that remain in Gaza. You'll remember that over 250 were seized back on October 7th when Hamas launched that initial attack on Israel that sparked this entire war. We did hear from the military spokesman for the Houthis. He claimed that the Houthis had launched a new attack on a U.S. flag vessel in the Gulf of Aden. However, the U.S. Navy Fifth Fleet came out very strongly after, after that, saying that those claims were patently false. But irregardless of what's going on right now, it remains incredibly dangerous in this vital waterway, crucial for the world economy. That was John Gambrill reporting from Jerusalem. In Europe, European foreign ministers have insisted there is no alternative to a two-state solution to secure peace between Israel and Palestine. They are meeting in Brussels as the European Union considers potential steps towards a comprehensive resolution to the conflict. The Israeli and Palestinian foreign ministers are making separate appearances at the talks. Stuart Smith has more. One high-ranking EU official called it a complex choreography, starting the morning with EU foreign ministers meeting the Israeli foreign minister. Then the 27 EU foreign ministers had a chance to speak with the Saudi Arabian, Egyptian and Jordanian foreign minister, plus the secretary general of the Arab League. And then they would hear from the Palestinian foreign minister before going off to talk amongst themselves about what the European Union's policy should be and what can be done to try to bring an end to this conflict. They wanted, according to one official, a full discussion, i.e. including as many opinions as possible and including as many stakeholders in the decision-making process. But the EU is quite firm on one point. It would like, despite Hamas and Israel not wanting this, it would like a two-state solution. Here's the Belgian foreign minister speaking earlier. This war cannot be solved with weapons. Since October 7, over 25,000 people have lost their lives. Gaza is in an extremely urgent situation. There's a risk of famine and disease. The fighting needs to stop. The message I'll be bringing in the name of Belgium is clear. We call for an immediate ceasefire, the release of hostages, the respect of international law, a return to the peace process, which must lead to the creation of two states living in peace side by side. 
Now, the EU says it's under no illusions about the current Israeli position, but they say it's not too early to start talking about how this should end, and it's not too early to start talking about a two-state solution. But the right thing the EU says is to have as many stakeholders talking amongst, amongst themselves as possible to try in the next few months to start some kind of peace process. That was Stuart Smith in Brussels. Turning to North America, in the U.S., New Hampshire residents are getting ready to cast their votes in a first-in-the-nation primary. Though there are signs the overall U.S. economy is improving, issues surrounding finances, the economy, and getting ahead are important to voters. Karina Mitchell has more. For one New Hampshire voter, there's a key issue to consider heading into the polls in Tuesday's primary. The economy, number one. When milk is seven fifty a gallon, when it costs me... Uh, 17 bucks to buy a 12-pack of beer, where it used to cost me $13, the economy is a big thing. He's not alone. According to recent state polling, almost 80% of likely GOP primary voters in New Hampshire said the economy and jobs were a top priority. 40% ranked it as the most important issue. That's in line with a recent national AP NORC poll that found more than 7 out of 10 Americans want the government to focus more on the economy. Part of the concern for New Hampshire voters may be the fact that economic growth has stagnated there over the last two years. That's according to the New Hampshire Fiscal Policy Institute. It says a sagging labor force, housing shortage and dwindling household savings are fueling economic woes. Financial analyst Jay Hatfield says the economy will be a critical issue for voters, but he's upbeat. We're very optimistic about the economy this year that we will have 2% growth at least and declining inflation and declining interest rates. So we do think that voter sentiments likely to improve about the economy as we go throughout the year. He also says Republicans appear tone deaf when blaming stimulus bills for the rise in U.S. inflation. One New Hampshire resident agrees. That money was necessary to stimulate this economy, I think. Uh, you think Biden's done a good job on the economy? I do. With emotions running high among voters across parties, one finance expert says the economy will help turn out the vote. That was Karina Mitchell on the New Hampshire primary. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to temporarily let Border Patrol agents cut or remove razor wire fencing that Texas placed along the southern state's border with Mexico to deter illegal border crossings. More than two and a half million encounters have been recorded at the U.S.-Mexico border in the fiscal year of 2023 that ended in September. The numbers are particularly high at certain points along the border, like Eagle Pass, Texas. Alistair Bavistock reports. Eagle Pass on the U.S. border with Mexico, a Texas town in the eye of a migrant crisis storm. After wading across the Rio Grande, migrants are met by U.S. law enforcement for processing. Tom Schmerber has been the local sheriff for 12 years and was a border patrol agent for 26 years before that. He says 2023's migrant situation has been extraordinary. I never have I seen something like this in this area. I'm talking of more than three, four, five thousand uh, people crossing. They're just walking and they're not running. They're not running. They want to be apprehended. It's going to be more than 10, maybe 15,000 people coming within a, a, a week. It's a situation that led the local government in Eagle Pass to declare a state of emergency, allowing the city to request additional federal funds to handle the crisis. For the sheriff's department, it's a matter of national security. We need the help of the federal government. It's overwhelmed. It, the, the police department, they have like 
70 officers. We have much, much, much less than that. Yeah, and the criminal element takes advantage of that. They know we're going to be tied up, and then at the same time, they're crossing drugs and, and all that to the other sides. However, once processed and admitted into the U.S., the migrants don't remain here. Giuseppe Garcia from Caracas, Venezuela, is bound for Miami, where he'll have a court date to argue his case for asylum. He hopes this will be the final leg of a four-month journey. I spent two and a half months in Mexico, and the situation there is devastating. I couldn't wait on an appointment at the border any longer. Crossing the river is the only option. But while these migrants have reached the United States, some don't survive the arduous journey. Indeed, the border itself has become one of the major dangers they face on their quest to reach America. That was Alastair Bavastock reporting from Texas. More than 90 weather-related deaths have been recorded across the U.S. after the country was pummeled by ferocious winter storms for the past week. Tens of thousands of people also remain without power. Icy conditions are expected to ease off in the next few days, but more weather challenges are on the horizon. Jim Spillman has more from Washington. Large swaths of the U.S. are digging out after a brutal wave of winter weather. In many states, schools and businesses were forced to close. Snowplows have been running nonstop. Yeah, I've been out uh, three days with uh, no sleep. Thousands were left without electricity as snow and ice brought down power lines. In some cases, aging or inadequate infrastructure may have increased the dangers brought by the storms and frigid temperatures. Dozens have died as a result of the severe weather. In Oregon, an ice storm brought down a power line on top of an occupied car. And the end result is we have three deceased and we have a two-year-old on the way to the hospital. Traffic accidents have accounted for weather-related deaths in several states as cars and trucks ran off the road where crews weren't able to keep up with snow and ice removal. In upstate New York, a plane slid off the runway. No one was hurt in that incident. Homeless people are at high risk as temperatures plummet, especially in states like Tennessee, unaccustomed to extreme cold. You know, people who are poor and people who are homeless are getting hit the hardest. Um, Branches of the public library have been closed, um, which is an essential day shelter for our friends on the street. Temperatures are expected to rise across much of the U.S. through the week, which will help melt some of the snow. But more weather challenges are on the horizon, as forecasters expect flooding through large areas of the central United States. That was Jim Spellman reporting from Washington. Turning to Africa, the third South Summit has concluded in the Ugandan capital Kampala with a theme of leaving no one behind. The summit brought together the supreme decision-making body of the Group of 77, high-level representatives of nearly 100 countries and heads of the United Nations agencies attended the meeting. Nick Mundimba has more. Issues like immigration restrictions and visa restrictions came up in the summit. So for the ease of trade or ease of business to be done, they need country to country to relax their visa restrictions because many have the restrictions which is blocking other countries from affluence. Remember, the key thing about these summits is about each country to succeed together, each country to hold each other's hand. So the affluence kind of um, approach has been given a priority, making sure that visa restrictions and of course embargoes, trade wars are reduced in these situations. 
African countries have been trying to push the agenda over two positions. There are two permanent positions at the UN Security Council. So according to Anthony Guterres, he said that the summit of the future that will be happening in September, it will be given a priority. And of course, the NAM members and uh, the G77 Luciana Summit is also pushing for this agenda. Most conflict in the world are actually happening in Africa. So according to Anthony Guterres, is that Africa needs some time representation in the uh, UN Security Council, which is very important. Let us face it. Those that benefit most from the present global governance system are unlikely to lead its reform. So momentum for change must come from you. He has put forward the issue of not taking action because deliberations can be made, but countries are not taking responsibility or action. So he insisted that countries should take responsibility and the deliberations coming out of the summit must be put into action. That was Nick Mundimba in Kampala. Finally, in China, rescue and disaster relief work is still underway in Yunnan after a landslide struck a mountainous village in the southwestern province. At least 20 people have been killed and over 20 others remain missing. Yang Jinghao brings the latest. It's been over 30 hours since the landslide struck the small village in Zhengxiong County in Yunnan province. More than 30 people still remain trapped. According to local authorities, approximately 300,000 cubic meters of soil and rocks collapsed during the landslide. Behind me, the rescuers are still working against time to search for the buried villagers. So far, the rescue operation has involved approximately 1,000 responders who are using various equipment, including excavators, drones, and life detection instruments for the operation. The rescue efforts are definitely encountering multiple challenges. First, the landslide has destabilized the mountain, increasing the risk of secondary disasters, and rescuers have to exercise extreme caution to avoid potential dangers. Meanwhile, the region is grappling with low temperatures due to uh, a cold wave sweeping across the entire province, and recent snowfall in the village is complicating the operation, especially during nighttime. According to the local government, more than 200 villagers have been evacuated to safety. We visited a nearby elementary school used as a temporary shelter, where the villagers are provided with emergency supplies, including beddings, winter coats, water, and food. A local government said psychological assistance is also available for them. Meanwhile, the Ministry of Emergency Management and the Ministry of Finance have jointly allocated disaster relief funds totally 15 million won, about 7 million US dollars, to support disaster relief work. The local government says next they will take concrete measures to eliminate hidden risks and prevent any geological disasters from happening. That was Yang Jinghao on the aftermath of deadly landslide in southwest China. Recapping today's headlines. Israel has proposed a multi-phase peace deal to Hamas in exchange for the release of all remaining hostages held in Gaza. European foreign ministers are meeting in Brussels to secure peace in the Middle East. And severe winter storms have killed over 90 people across the U.S. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. 
For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.